Hi, I'm Eric Hathaway, and you're listening to Sometime in Long Island City, a podcast of the blog of the same name. This is the fifth in the series of artist portraits featuring musicians who are well-known on the Long Island City music scene. Today I'm interviewing Warren Malone, UK-born singer-songwriter, member of the Big City Folk Collective and frequent collaborator with musicians across New York. Okay, Warren. Warren Malone. Where does that name come from? Well, I mean, I'm English with Irish roots, so... His father had an Irish name, so I guess his family is Irish. Yeah. Um, I have Irish relatives. I'm English when I want to be, and Irish when I need to be. Okay, hand to hand to hand. But I'm English, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So where, where were you brought up? In Manchester, England. Okay. Bolton. Bolton. For the people who know it well. Yeah. But okay. to Amer- Americans, Manchester is about as close as they're going to get. Well, that's north of Manchester in, in Greater Lancashire. It is. Uh, do you come from a big family? No, small family. Okay. Club of sisters, mother. Never knew my father. All right. Musicians? Oh, well, yeah. My father's family were all singers. Okay. Well, I never met them, but they were all. I come from a long line of Elvis impersonators, it turns out. <laughs> Which is what I discovered when I was like in my late. Oh, my, <clears throat> I guess I was 33 when I discovered that. I grew up listening to Elvis with, with no, you know, with no, no push from anybody. Actually, probably did, probably actively discouraged by my mother, who just didn't want to deal with that memory. Okay. Somehow, so somehow I gravitated towards Elvis, even though, even though I had no idea that my father and his family were big Elvis. Fans. Okay. So there wasn't a white suit hanging on the wardrobe. So. It wasn't. No, there was no white suit. There, no. So, what kind of music was around in the household when you were growing up? Was it? Um, I, the first record I put on was a Hank Williams record. Hank Williams, I, I'm, I swear the album said Hank Williams and the Drifting Cowboys, but I've never seen that name listed anywhere else by anybody else. And it was a drawing on the front of the cover. I remember it vividly. I, I looked for it extensively. I, I can't find it anywhere. It had the MGM label spinning around with the lion. Still you had your way You told her lies and alibis And hurt her more each day But now your conscience bothers you You reached your journey's end You're asking me for sympathy I'm sorry for you, my friend To make her blue, she tagged along through right and wrong because she worshipped you. You know that you're the one to blame. There's no use to pretend. Today's the day you start to fade. I'm sorry for you, my friend.
stepfather when he went when they when he left there was a bunch of his records lying around mm -hmm. the five records I clearly remember being very influential were Abbey Road the Beatles Highway 61 Bob Dylan there's a Donovan album which I didn't really like but it was in that mix a Charlie Rich record Big Boss Man Charlie Rich was a great record and um, a Rolling Stone stood the past darkly which is a kind of collection it came out after High Tide and Greengrass. Yeah. It's good, I guess it was good. Good mm. songs in there. So were they records that other people listened to in the household? I never really, I never played them actually. I just kind of dug through, they were, they were just sitting around. I never heard anybody really play a lot of records at all. I, I, I was always playing music, so. I don't really remember those records ever being played. I just kind of dug through the one, the covers that I liked, pulled them all out, played all the records, and those are the ones that stuck. find things through other things, the other one record, like a, one record will lead to another record because of the credits, because of the players, which is getting harder to do now with the digital music, you don't really know, yeah. you don't know who's produced what or who's playing on what anymore, it's, yeah. so there's not, I think that's another, there's not that much more, that much attachment because I buy something online, I listen to it a few times, I'm done, yeah. there's no other reason to get involved in it, whereas if you're looking at the, li reading the liner notes and you, you know the musicians and you, one person, you know, you recognise people from Different other other records is is more of a an attachment. Now it's just an, not even the, apart from the 
a photograph. It's an, an anonymous experience. So when you were listening to records, were you also singing along? Did you? Yeah, I always sang along. Did you? Did you learn songs quickly? You're good at remembering words. I, I, more so then than I am now. Yeah, I'm terrible at that kind of stuff now. I used to be really good. I knew a lot of songs, but I didn't play guitar early. I had a guitar, um, but uh, no teacher. I had a guitar and a book, a really bad guitar and a book, but I didn't realize that the first string was the first string. I thought the first string was the sixth string. So when I tried to tune it according to the picture, of course I got nowhere and gave up. Okay. But I could definitely hold the chord shapes down. I knew mm -hmm. E and G and D and the A minor, a few of those basic chords. I can make the shapes and find them easily, but I can. I always thought it was, I wasn't doomed as a guitar player. So, you, I, so you'd sing along. I would sing along to the record. And, and then sing separately from the record. Yeah, I'd sing. I'd sing in my room all the time. Hairbrush, you know, hairbrush <laughs> in the mirror. What else do you need? <laughs> in the bathroom for an echo. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hairbrush in the mirror in the bathroom when no one's mm -hmm. around, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and then I remember as somebody, one of the older guys at school had a, a punk band. We went around to his house and he had a guitar and it was in tune and I picked it up and played it and everyone's looking at me like, wow, Warren can play guitar. And I'm looking at me like, geez, I can play guitar. And I had no idea I could play guitar because I, I, I knew the shapes, I could hold the shapes in, but they never sounded like music to me yeah. before because they were never in tune. So suddenly I knew it was like four, four or five chord shapes. Yeah. And my rhythm was okay as well because I've been banging away on whatever, you know, on a cricket bat or something. So this guy had a punk band and you went along to his house and picked up a guitar. Yeah. Did that lead to you doing any performing of any kind? It definitely led me towards wanting to, wanting to get a better guitar. You know, all of a sudden it's like, okay, get, I was wrong. Maybe I can play the guitar. So I then started looking for another guitar and, you know. So about how old would you have been then? At that age, I was 12 at that, 11 or 12. Probably 12 at that mm -hmm. point. Maybe 12. So you're looking around for another guitar. Yeah, and then a friend of mine had a, a friend had a guitar, an Echo or Eco, I'm not sure. Okay. Echo Ranger Six, you know, Italian yeah. guitars. Everyone had those. My first guitar was an Echo. But yeah. It wasn't a Ranger. It was a slightly smaller. Well, one. this is a Ranger Six, big one. It's yeah. like you know, heavy. The neck, the bolted on. My friend, well, my friend had one. It had really low action. That's all that mattered. Because it had the adjustable bridge with the screws in. Yeah. Terrible design, but it's you know, and, it, and the whole thing was plywood and heavy plywood. Yeah. But of course, you don't know. I didn't know any of that stuff then. I just thought yeah. he got, he's got one, and it was easy to hold the strings. It felt it played like an electric. It's all yeah. you know, easy, and that's all that mattered. Mm -hmm. Tone was the last thing on the. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard a good guitar, mm -hmm. so how would I know? But yeah, that was that echo was the first one. I think my mum bought it, and I had to pay her back my my paper and money. Mm -hmm. So when did you first start playing guitar seriously? Was it once you got that? better one did you I guess when I got that one I was in a band we had a band I just kind of funny I just saw some recently the people who were in my band this this literally this week have started posting pictures of the band oh, I've seen that on Facebook yeah, yeah. that was the guys that's it I was like 17 in those pictures and we, we started playing when we were 15 mm. so we had all these pretentious 1980s names yeah and uh, we were listening to a lot of 80s music you know New, new, new romantics. Right. So was that electric then? Were you? I was, I was singing mainly. I wasn't even playing guitar in the band. I played okay. guitar, acoustic guitar. My, I, it, was, it was, it was, it was a weird situation for me because I grew up listening to, you know, roots music. I guess they call it now. I was listening to Elvis, Hank Williams, Charlie Rich, a lot of fifties rock and roll, and that's pretty much what my voice. You know, you, you sound like who you listen to. It's mm. no big surprise. That's who people sound like who they grow up listening to. That shapes the voice. And my voice, no matter how hard I tried, that's what it sounded like. But all these 80s bands had all these kind of weird, kind of, everyone had a weird voice. Pretty much the worse you sang, the, the more success you had, mm. you know? 
sort of new romantic kind yeah, of Yeah, so it's like I was trying to, you know, and I, of course, I wasn't wanting to be in a band because I wanted to meet girls. And, you know, you don't meet mm. girls. I'd already had the crap beaten out of me for years by on the way home from school by the punks. Uh, who were like, you know, because I was into Elvis and rock and roll, and punk was the opposite of that. You know? So did you look? Did you dress up in a I rock and roll fashion? A little bit, you know, my hair was that way, and my hair kind of up, not on different, not that different than now. Yeah. But for a kid then, you know, everybody else just kind of got spiky kind of hair, and I was, I guess I had a fifties, nineteen fifties, sixties kind of uh, vibe to me. You know, I wasn't over the top like a teddy boy or anything yeah. like that, but I, it was, it was definitely in there, and then. Um, and then the new romantic thing came along, and I just jumped right on that, right on that, you know. Yeah. I just, it was something different, and I wanted to be part of it, just because. So what, tell me about some of the stuff that you really liked. There's a band guys. called Japan, remember those guys? Japan, David Sylvian was in the band, the lead singer. Incredible, very talented, still makes great records now. I buy, whole, I buy everything he ever does. It's very, it could be seen as very pretentious. A lot of it is, a lot of it is uh, instrumental, uh, avant-garde instrumental music, and then he has that kind of croony voice that's very, limited but it's got a lot of texture
David Sylvian. I, I, so I did like your it. taste in music sort of separate you out from other people, not just in terms of the rock and roll stuff, but because you were quite discriminating about people? I was discriminating about yeah. people? Were you, were you, did you, did you, you, well, you're talking now about all the bands and some of whom, not, not many of whom have lasted, but you think about some as being special. Did you know that they were special then? Did you say, I really like these guys and they have a kind of minority taste? I genuinely gravitated towards a couple of people I thought were trying a little harder. Yeah. They, they, oh, yeah, I guess a lot of it would be a more interesting sound, um, a more interesting way with lyrics. You might not know exactly what's going on. There's somebody they pull you in. Same as Dylan, you know, you would go pull him because you know, you know, you don't actually know what he's talking about, but you feel like you could mm -hmm. if you tried a little harder. Mm -hmm. You know, so. So did you go? Were there bands playing locally? Was there a local music scene? There was, but I, I, would, I never really ventured to Manchester into mm -hmm. Manchester Centre. Was I mm -hmm. guess there's a lot of stuff going on. I was, I played guitar on the street as well. At school of 15, I was playing guitar busking on the street, and I played on the street for 20 years. In Bolton. In, a lot of a lot of it was in Bolton. I was there. Like, I was there like first. I'd start at eight in the morning. Literally eight in the morning, get my spot, and I would stay there until four in the afternoon. I would take a little break for lunch, and that was it. I would sing all day. So you left school at fifteen and went out on the street to earn money playing the guitar. guitar. Okay. So I was like, you know, well, first of all, I left, and then I worked for this air conditioning company during the summer, and um, and then I tried to go to art college, but I got kicked out, and I was, you know, maybe I just turned sixteen at this point, and. And then I um, hitchhiked to you. Then I, so then I went back to work for this. It's, it's all a blur right now because it's kind of crazy. But I know I was play. I left home pretty much 15. Left school 15. Left home 16. Was um, trying to do this job, which was never going to last. I was never, never going to do it forever. And uh, pretty quickly, I realized after a few months that I was, this isn't going to happen. So I just called my boss and said I'm going to Paris. And I hitchhiked to Paris. A bad time. Lasted a couple of days. It was hallucinating because I was so hungry. And yeah. Yeah, really badly, really bad. And then uh, made it back, and then just started. Bust I needed a haircut. Decided I needed a haircut because mm -hmm. I was so vain. Yeah. Like, you had to have my uh, my mm -hmm. hair <clears throat> done and eat some eat eat and get my haircut. That's why I went playing on the street and I made a bunch of money. It was great. So I just did that for a long time. I did I did it for too long actually. I did it too long in that one time. I, sh I don't. I look back. I'm not sure why I didn't travel as much as I. I should have travelled a lot more. It took me a few years to cotton on to the idea that you could, I could hitchhike. I think oh, maybe it was just my first, my first experience of hitchhiking to Paris was so terrible mm -hmm. that it might have put me off the idea of doing it again. But mm -hmm. then regularly, every, every summer we would hitchhike through to Spain or south of France. Yeah. And uh, in the winters we'd go to Kitzbühel, Austria sometimes. And playing music I would hitchhike like, wherever I went up with music. Yeah. Okay. I always have somebody come with me and they'd pass yeah. the hat and I'd All say. Right. So that was a way you were, that was the main way you were earning money. Yeah, and, and up until then I've been in a couple of bands, but we just played in the local pubs and stuff. And mm -hmm. but I was, I'd also decided that I was going to be this singer-songwriter. That's my the thing I was in. Yeah. I liked it, like, the, like the records I listened to, yeah. Dylan, and everyone I liked was there were a few bands like the Stones and Beatles, but the people I gravitate to were solo artists. Yeah. Even Elvis, you know, it's him, yeah. with the guitar, him with yeah. the guitar. I'd probably watch one too many Elvis movies actually. Yeah. He's always going somewhere with the guitar on his back. Yeah, but that trail that going through Europe with a guitar, that's a very, very well-trod path for a lot of those early folk singers. Yeah. Bert Yanks is yeah. classic. Yeah. Going and um, running down the highway, I think was one of his songs. Yeah. That kind of story, it's a kind of romantic thing, but it's a reality. You were earning a living, but also learning a lot about the world. Yeah, I mean... And how to feed yourself. 
Yeah, I mean, I literally, that's literally all I did was play music on the street. When did years. you start writing stuff? I guess I, when I was in a band, when I was 15, 16, we were in a band, we wrote, but I don't remember anything we wrote. I, I mean, I actually got a tape sent to me, two songs that we wrote. Yeah, literally, yeah. this all happened this week, you know. And I look at him like, I was, I don't think sing anything, I don't sing anything that I wrote before, like, 10 years ago, and that's only one song. That's all from when I came to the States. I don't consider, I can't, I always saw myself as a songwriter, but I didn't have, have any songs. Yeah. And I moved to San Francisco in 93, and I met some people who were really good, and I was like, okay, this, this is what it's all about. I either give up or I get better. So you moved to San Francisco in 93, that was your first trip out of, out of, uh, out of Europe. Yeah. Uh, and were you, did you go straight there from Bolton? Were no, from Ireland, in, I've been in London. Ireland. I've been squatting in London for okay. like two years. Okay before that, and then a year in Ireland, I lived in a tent for a year, in, in a tent almost for the year. And then On your own, or were you I, with Well, I had a girlfriend, and she lived with her mom, but she's Irish. We moved to Ireland from London. Of course, they're Catholic. I wasn't going to be living with her. Yeah. So she stayed with her mom, and we were just trying to figure out what we were going to do. And I, and I, got, I, I rented a cottage with some crazy, a room in a cottage from this crazy guy. And one day the sun was shining, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Well, I'm better off in a tent than living here. So I just took my tent and we found, got permission for me to stay in these grounds, these forests that my girlfriend knew the family were on the grounds. Mm -hmm. Happy in the second stayed there for a couple of weeks. And I just stayed, stayed, stayed. I built a fire. Mm -hmm. It was great. Mm -hmm. In fact, whenever I have a fight with my wife, she's like, go on, go off, go, go off to Ireland, live in a tent. <laughs> That's the thing we talk about, you know? Yeah. You know, everyone has a point in their life that was like, you know, yeah. my. My, the high point of my first life was living in a tent in Ireland. All right. And then, and then you went to San Francisco. Yeah. You and your girlfriend, or was me and my girlfriend went to San Francisco? But as all couples do, we broke up very quickly mm -hmm. in San Francisco. It's not a place for couples. Mm -hmm. Everyone's very flirtatious in San Francisco. So how did you choose San Francisco? Because she, we, we didn't want to go. To, she didn't want to go to Dublin. She'd already lived there. We didn't want to go back to London. We needed to go to a city. I wanted to play music. I was playing uh, guitar on the street in Ireland, and I was mm -hmm. kind of done with it. And so she had uh, relatives outside, just outside San Francisco. So we moved. We flew over, and then I got a job painting houses. Mm -hmm. Pretty much for the first two or three days. Still jet-lagged. Mm -hmm. And um, then we got a house, we got a place to live. And I did that for about six months painting houses, and then I just realized I was, it's time for me to do something else. Mm -hmm. We were we were both illegal. I was illegal for five mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. How did that change? What the, the legality stuff? Well, did I'm married now. Oh, okay. You married an American. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it, long after that, we'd already moved back yeah. to England. But that whole that oh, whole okay. issue, the whole issue was over and done with. I was in another country. We got we were married, mm -hmm. and then just applied. As if it was our first time. All right. First so time you went to San Francisco, playing painting houses and playing music. Yeah. And how long were you there? Five years. Okay. When so, I stopped painting houses and decided I needed a job where I could have my nights free and not be exhausted. And paint, you can't paint houses without drinking a lot either. Yeah. It just goes hand in hand. Yeah. Like the painting company's offices are pretty much the bar. Yeah. And you're thirsty as hell after painting. And that's all you do. You paint during the day and you spend all money on alcohol. That's uh -huh. the way it is. And I, and I, so I decided I, would, I needed to meet more Americans since I was in America. And I met a few musicians I really liked. So I started hanging out with those and I worked in a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And you were playing? I was playing in the, the nights pretty much all the time. By but yourself time. or with others? By myself. Well, but it was a more of a singer-songwriter crowd, real, mm -hmm. like San Francisco yeah. songwriter, folk singer kind mm -hmm. of thing, you know. So a lot of folk singers, a lot of singers. Mm -hmm. so, so still writing stuff yourself then? I was writing, I was learning a lot about writing. So yeah. I met some really good, really good musicians out there. Yeah. 
Very talented songwriters. Changed my life, actually. So, you, you, you said just now that you, there's only one song that you perform now that you wrote ten years ago or something, yeah. but nothing before that. Nothing. So what's that song? Water. I just re-recorded okay. it for my new record. Oh, okay. All right. Just started singing again and just made a new version of it. Just like water I'm an only child I've been spilled so many times I'm hard to recognize Yeah, my mother mm, She did the best by me And she gave me a name That she thought would somehow set me free So I learned to run And I learned to fall And to evaporate in the sun Like I was never here at all Every time I fall I feel nothing When I fall down I feel nothing at all Every time I run I feel nothing when I run from you, I feel nothing at all I learned to live with my life I'm an old woman Cause I thought I could do better so I loved her, yeah, then I left her. She said, water, you're not much of a giver. Running in and out of people's lives like a river. I said, I'll be gone before the morning comes. You don't have to Cause I've already kissed her Goodbye Goodbye Every time I fall I feel nothing When I fall down I feel nothing at all Every time I run I feel nothing when I run from you, I feel nothing at all Cause I learned to live with my life Oh, water, yeah, running water Oh, water Down, I feel nothing at 
when I run from you, I feel nothing at all. I learned to live with my life. Five years in San Francisco, mm -hmm. playing music a lot. A lot. And then you went back to the UK. Yeah, I met, then, I, then I met my my wife. Okay. In San Francisco, and she she's a scientist. So we she got a job in England, Brighton, and I so I just said, you know, I, I went with her. She was my girlfriend, not my wife at the time. Yeah. And then we spent a couple of years in England. Okay, in Brighton. Brighton and then Cambridge, and Cambridge was too much. We broke up. Cambridge okay. took yeah. a year, a year apart. And then we got back together and bumped into each other in San Francisco again, actually. Okay. We actually bumped into each other. Oh, that's weird. It's yeah. very strange. Yeah. And, um, and then I followed her back to London. She was living in London at the time, but we were both in San Francisco. It happened to be. And then I followed her to London and then we got married. Then she got the job over in New York, so we came here. Sounds a bit like a movie. It could be a pretty good I'll movie. Each other in it was, that was quite a meeting. That was quite a day. Yeah. Where, uh, I was working in a coffee shop. I was over, only over there for a couple of months. I was working in this coffee shop, mm -hmm. and I saw this person through the window. It's all the it's like a glass wall. The coffee shop. So I was behind the counter, and I could see the whole of the of the whole corner, the whole cross of the, two, of the, the intersection. And I saw this person walking towards me. And I'm like, I literally just walked out, and I just said to everybody, "It's self-service." I walked outside. I hadn't seen her. We hadn't spoken for a year, exactly a year. We stepped outside and everyone was just helping themselves to coffee. And everything. <laughs> it was, so it was. Oh quite. wow! And then we, I, we, we, come, we went back, got married, yeah. and then we moved here and had kids, and yeah. here we are. So how long have you been here now? Eight years. Okay. So that that meeting back again in San Francisco was that ever inspiration for a song? Not really, no, I don't, it's not really, I, some things are just, uh, well, you know, I did, I, the truth is probably, probably wrote, I'm always writing, and yeah. I, did, I wrote a lot of songs, I write a lot of songs that I don't sing, yeah. so yes, I'm sure, I'm sure parts of it were in a song mm -hmm. that doesn't get sung, some yeah. songs stick, some don't, yeah. and I definitely was writing a lot at the time, yeah. um, I mean, and yes, I remember there are a couple of songs I wrote then, obviously you get together and you talk about stuff that's happened in the year, now, now I'm remembering there was a few incidents that came up in conversation that definitely ended up in songs, but not specifically that meeting yeah, okay. of that day. Yeah. I don't think that's yeah. actually in, but definitely, definitely the stuff that you talk about it that's happened over the year, the things that people have gotten up to mm -hmm. with the people you know, yeah. the, the friends you thought you had, you find out what they've been doing, then yes, that, there's definitely stuff that ended up in songs for sure. Are you a watcher of people? Do you, do you notice things happening and then store it away? No, I'm not, not really that kind of writer. I write, I, yeah. I write, it's not really how I write. I mean, I write more... I mean, I have a lot of songs I don't even know what they're about. And then I have a lot of songs that are very literal, very clear mm -hmm. what it's about. And I just, I like it. I, I don't take as many notes as I like. I have lots of notebooks, and maybe lots, and maybe... I can guarantee there's two notebooks in my, back, in my book, in my pocket right now, and there's probably one in my bag. I can see two brown ones up there, and I know that they're all empty. <laughs> but I have this idea that I'm going to jot these ideas yeah. down and fill it up. You know, I see Niall Connolly, and he's writing all the time, filling up notebooks. 
And um, I always feel that's what I should be doing, but that's just not the way. And I, I like the idea, but that's just not how I. That's not how I work. Really. So how do you do it? I think a lot of it is. It's. I sit around and play guitar. I sing and I sing. It's more about the musical sound, and then I then I haven't done once is a. It's rare that, that the lyrics come first. I might have an idea, or we have these song challenges where you have a word or a theme. That definitely helps. Uh, it's not often that I, something happens and I feel I have to report what's happened. A lot of it is just, they're just sounds. You know? I was reading that Keith Richards book, it's very interesting. Did you, did you read that book? I've just started to read it. And he talks about them being in the studio with Mick Jagger and they, 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 don't, they go in with no songs. They're, not, they're just so tight from being mm. on the road that it's time to make a record, but they don't know what they're making. They've got a riff or yeah. an idea, you know? And then Mick Jagger's writing words down and then they're just singing it. Yeah. It's just sounds and words. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, that's, that was a very familiar story for me. It's not the same thing. One person's playing guitar, one person's singing, and they're working on this, this song. I guess I'm doing both parts. Um, and it's more of like you. And I, I heard Tom Petty also in an interview saying he'll you play, you mess around with ideas, and then all of a sudden one idea is like a signpost that says yes. go down this road, follow this idea. Yeah. So you follow that idea. So a lot of it is just fooling around, having fun with stuff, working through stuff, and then following the most interesting idea or the most interesting sound or the most interesting rhythm pattern. Or I like the way I like the way words words yeah. form a rhythm, and I, sometimes that'll be it'll be a rhythm of words. Uh, a rhythm of nonsensical syllables yeah. sometimes, and you have to figure out what yeah. syllable would make that what syllable, you, what real word you could put in to the, those three or four syllables still sound the same when you yeah. sing them. And all of a sudden, you have these three or four syllables that sound great, and you're like, well, now I've got to write a song. Basically, Is that where the ant at the bee came from? No, the ant at the bee actually happened. I walked oh, down okay. and I was writing that song home, and that song came from a guitar lesson. I took a lesson from David Reinhardt, who was in town, he's a, song, a singer songwriter in Colorado. He was in town to do a gig for Nile, and um, I like the way he sang Richard Thompson's Beeswing, you know, the song, it's a great song. He, he has his own arrangement of it, and I, I took a lesson. He came over, and I paid him for the lesson to teach me how to play this song, the way he plays it. And I failed miserably at learning the song, and also by the time I just get a grasp of it, I was kind of over, the, I was over it. I didn't want to learn the song anymore, but I'd learned this whole new technique of playing this guitar mm. part, there was nothing like David's part because I couldn't do it. He used mm. two fingers and a thumb and I was using one finger and my thumb and I wasn't getting it right. Mm. And, but then I had this whole new thing that I didn't have before. And then I, had, then I was just singing, again, nonsense and ideas and I, had this, my, I was in a different vocal space because it was a different sound. And then in the middle of the song, I had this song about home and go, I wanted to go home and I, I didn't want to go home and I, I didn't know what the song was about at all. I didn't know what the words were about, but I had this, a lot of people think it's about depression or people deal with depression and I can see how they would think that, but it's, but I, I, I kind of listened, I looked at the words of, the, of what I was singing and I, I, I realized it could quite easily be, it could be about the places you go m emotionally and mentally to create. Mm. So you don't want to, you know, and as dark and as, depressing as those places can be, you, you'd much rather be there creating something than leave and go back. Mm. And that's, and once I had that idea in mind, I just followed that, that's the, the road I followed and kind of kept it pretty vague, but the answer to be literally happened. I was walking up the street with my son and we saw some ants eating a bee. Okay. And I just, when I came home, I was just singing on the answer to be, and then it seemed yeah. that it also, it just fit in with the whole dark theme of the song yeah. and then I had the, the whole darkness and then the, the, there's nothing sweet about the way my life is changing 
just naturally came from that. So.
um, go back to the 90s a bit, who were, who were you listening to at that point when you were in San Francisco? What, yeah, what, 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 who, what was on your... Well, actually, I, got, I, I kind of went back, way back, to the stuff I listened to when I was a kid. So for the first time, I felt like I was allowed to listen to the music I listened to. The America, Elvis, Hank Williams, mm. and that led me right into bluegrass. And I started getting obsessed with the mandolin, and I got really into bluegrass. But that's towards the end of my San Francisco years. Mm -hmm. Up until that point, I was listening to people around me. My friend, there's a guy called Sean Hayes, who's an incredibly talented singer-songwriter. He's success, very successful right now. He was the greatest thing I'd ever heard in my life. And he we were all working in the same coffee shops, and I heard him, I'm like, this is it. It doesn't get any better than this. And I, mm. Even to this day, I mean, to meet someone like him, working in a coffee shop and mm. playing gigs with him like three nights a week and hanging out and being friends, it was just a life changer. So I was listening to his, I, I, I learned all his songs. I sang them all. Mm. I don't think I've sang one of his songs in years. I was, it was like a love affair. I was obsessed with this whole thing, you know. Oh, yes, this is powerful stuff. Got me circling like the moon round the sun Acting crazy like a fool all drunk Mmm, hear me, this is powerful stuff There's no way for you to give this up This in your body, it's all in your blood To tear you down, it'll lift you up turning like it's never enough all right now let's turn it up every day do like a flower does the sunny rises and she opens up the sunny rises and she sings oh hit me this is powerful 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 Tell me, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready when I think so strong? You can't give it, won't give it, got you turning, yearning, burning. Can't give it, won't give it up, even when you're yearning, burning, turning. Can't give it, won't give it up. Never, you know, suddenly I'm, re you know, meeting a real bona fide, talented, great songwriter. Everyone else I'd met was just garbage, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some talented people out there who mm -hmm. I'd met, but I didn't recognize it as such. It wasn't something that spoke to me. It was just people in bands, mm -hmm. people choking yeah. away. Yeah. It wasn't like meeting someone. You meet someone who's just like they really got it. Yeah. There's no yeah. reason this person isn't successful apart yeah. from it just hasn't happened. Yeah. You know, they're as good as anything out there. Yeah. I used to say there's Bob Dylan, there's Neil Young, there's Sean Hayes. Okay. And I stand behind wow. all those. I, yeah. I mean, it might be an exaggeration to some, but to me at the time, it was, it, 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 there was no exaggeration. Yeah. Just, uh, he was as, 
important to me as either of those people. Oh, wow. And I was, I was listening to him a lot and a few other people I, that I met. And then I got really into bluegrass and I just I was consumed by bluegrass for about six years. That's all, all I listened right. to. And but even, did you teach yourself the mandolin? Did you pick yeah, one up? Yeah, yeah. I, I took a lesson. I, I listened to. I, I, I got one, and I. I didn't get one until I moved to England. I'd been had this idea I wanted a mandolin. I'd been around mm -hmm. one a little bit. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine had one. But my wife surprised me with one as a gift, and then I was like, mm -hmm. you know. But I've been playing bluegrass, trying to play bluegrass guitar, and so I played some fiddle tunes. Yeah. And as my guitar playing kind of picked up then as well, I really wanted to play some tunes instead of just strumming away. All right. Yeah. So I took a couple yeah. of guitar lessons, just maybe two lessons. This didn't really work out too well because the guy wanted to teach me finger picking and I wanted to use I wanted to use a flat pick. Okay. And yeah. uh, but it's still I, and then my, my I watched what my, I was watching what, what my friends were doing and Sean he told me he, showed, he taught me a couple of things. Mm. But then the mandolin I just learned I just wanted to learn some fiddle tunes and I thought I was going to be this great mandolin yeah. player. I'm not a good mandolin player but I thought I was going to be awesome. The learning curve in a mandolin is like it's swift and then you just plateau very yeah. you, know, you can learn a couple of tunes and you think you're just taking yeah. over you know but then you hit this wall and. That's when the work begins. Yeah. So I learned with, I learned the tunes, and that's pretty much. I have a nice tremolo. Yeah. I do pretty well with the tremolo. Oh, yeah. It's pretty strong, yeah. but no, I'm not a mandolin player. It's hard on your little finger, isn't it? It's a, it can be if they're stretched. With the, the yeah. big G chord is, yeah. is, 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 is big, but um, but I mean I I, I, I I really enjoyed it, and I was so obsessed with bluegrass it, but to the point where I just all all day long. I don't know why my wife is still with me because. It's a hard listen music. It's a hard yeah, music yeah. to listen to if you're not into it. And even now, I find it, after all of that, after years of that, of listening to it, when I hear it, I mean, now I don't play it much at all. I was consumed by it. But when I do listen to it, I can see exactly why it would be hard to take if you weren't. If you weren't. It's it's unbelievable. But you know, it's about the same thing. The, the the problem with bluegrass is, it's so regimented. You know? Yeah. So once I'd consumed it and absorbed it and loved it. I started to dislike it for the very reasons I loved it. You know, yeah. everything has to. It's like a sport more than a music. Right. It's the sport of music. Yeah. Everything has got to be super fast. Everything's got to be like yeah. boom, boom, boom. Everyone has a solo, and the solo has to do this. Yeah. You can't. You can't have a piano. You can't have a drum. You can't have this. Everything has to be. You cannot have these things. Or it's not bluegrass. Okay. And it's just like really, come on. You know, people show the ukulele and they'd be shunned okay. or pushed out the door. Or you couldn't have. You just things you can't have. You can't do. Because people take themselves so seriously, you know. And it's, it's a bit like the folk scene in England. It's like kind of like the folk scene in England. It's a bit like every jazz. I'm sure jazz has things you can't yeah. have in jazz. I don't know what it is, but I can guarantee there's a bunch of jazz police, just like there are bluegrass police, yeah. keeping everything in line. Yeah, yeah. You immersed yourself in it, and then it wasn't what you wanted anymore, so you moved on. Moved backwards, almost to like old time music, yeah. which is essentially the same thing, pre-speed. Yeah. Pre meth, mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. pills they were taking. Mm -hmm. But whatever, you know, it's, it's so, you know, and, and I'd been getting into Norman Blake a lot because he is a real fast, crazy flat picker. You know, I got into him a lot during the, my bluegrass thing, and he was definitely involved with a lot of bluegrass guys. But he was also steeped in old time music. That's his main thing, you know. So I, I kind of stuck with him, and he's, he's my he's my go to guy for that kind of music. Right. He's, he's yeah. you know, he's the real deal, and I, and, and I still listen to him a lot because he's not. You know, it's more chilled out, relaxed, and I got really into the whole all-time folk kind of thing. So who's who's on on your shelf now in terms of well, who, who you listen to now? Who you really well? Rate? Let's have a look at my iPod. That's a bit the most honest yeah. thing. But I, do, I I try not to. Ha this is my phone, and I try not to have too much on here at any given time. I'll have, and I can tell you right now, artists. Norman Blake, Norman Blake, Norman Blake, Norman and Nancy Blake, R.L. Burnside, 
the Rolling Stones. I think they, I put them on because I was reading the Keith Richards biography. I kind of revisited the Rolling Stones. Sean Hayes, Sleepy John S. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve Earle, usually on the tallest man on earth. Really like him. You know the tallest man on earth? Yeah. So he's a Swedish folk singer, singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. He he sounds exactly well, on his first record. He sounds exactly like. It sounds like an, the album sounds like an outtake of Bob Dylan's first album. It's quite, it's almost to the point you're like, why would you do that? It's embarrassing. But then it's captivating. I couldn't stop listening to it. And I, and I, I bought everything he's done. I buy, he's probably my favorite, favorite current songwriter. He sounds just like Bob Dylan playing the guitar and singing. And he's kind of gravitating towards his own sound now, or, still, or, or I'm just getting so used to it that I don't hear the Dylan thing, I hear himself. So good, the tallest man on earth. You, I, 
else? Pat Hull, local. Pat Hull, mm-hmm. awesome, really enjoying him. Nine Horses, there you go, which is David Sylvan from Japan. Still, okay. still making records under different names. That's a great record. Neil Diamond, I just got Neil Diamond. They just released Neil Diamond's uh, Bang label records, which mm-hmm. is his early songwriting stuff. With uh, It's a classic. I, I grew up, this is a record I did grow up listening to. I used to put this on early in the morning. Every song, 23 songs, all classics. All right. And I'm yeah. not a Neil Diamond fan at all, yeah. but I'm a big fan of all that stuff. Yeah, that surprised me when you said that, but yeah. I can, if you're talking about his earlier stuff, I don't know his earlier stuff, yeah. but I can imagine before he got corrupt. He was a writer, so. yeah, before he, before he got cheesed out. Yeah. And did the E.T. song. Yeah, yeah. Is it E.T.? Yeah. <laughs> Turn on your heart light, E.T. Oh my, come on. Um, um, Jolie Holland. It's a huge range. Yeah, from hip hop. Uh, Jolie Holland from San Francisco, I know yeah. from San Francisco. Yeah. She's very good. Friend of Sean Hayes as well. H. McLeod, local local rap guy. He got my new rap, which I'm guessing on his new rap single. Oh, oh yes, I'm The video's out next week, I'm very excited about it. I saw it, it's good. Sat on the phone and I listened to my mama cry Couldn't tell my sister, man, she was only 14 And when the rain came down that spring And washed away all my pain I changed into the man that I am today And that's why I'm seeing All good things come to an end Nothing stays the same forever Like the warm summer sunshine And all the coldest of December and when the rain comes down in spring and washes away the pain And you realize life as you know it has changed Like the leaves in the fall Like the leaves in the fall Like the leaves in the
the sun shining on the coldest of December And when the rain comes down in spring and washes away the pain And you realize life as you know it has changed Like leaves in the fall So that, tell me about that, that, that crowd around Nile, the big city folk collective. Sort of, how does that work? Sort of, what is it? It's, um, how does it happen? I don't know how it happened. I'm not sure how long it was happening before I met those guys. Because I, I met Nile maybe a year and a half. I don't think it's two years, but it could be two years now. And I was just looking to play some more. I decided to go out and play some more. I didn't know anybody. I'd, I made a record, and I, I, made, I, got, I got over. When I first got here, I had this kind of record deal about to happen. It's looking like it's going to be a big thing. And then it all kind of fell through, and then, then I, made a, I made a new CD. And then I just got the wind kicked out of my sail, and we had I dumped my second child. And I was just kind of busy at home. And I wasn't really playing for the first time out. I still considered myself to be a musician. I was playing full-time at home, always just writing and trying to do stuff, but I wasn't really doing anything. So you're a house husband. House husband, I wasn't really, which I wasn't really playing as much as I should have been, given that I considered myself to be a full-time musician. Mm. And I didn't really know. I didn't feel like going and finding a scene and meeting the people. It just seemed like a lot of work that I'd already done in many cities. I felt like doing it again. But then I met. I did go out and played a couple of shows, and and then I got asked to do a couple more. And then I met a couple of people. I met a guy called John Gribben, an Irish guy. He, was, he lives here now, but he was just visiting. And um, we hung out, and he said he should go to one of Niall's nights. So I went down, and I met Niall, and we just, we just hit it off. And it's been the same kind of crowd, the core of people. You know, Niall has two or three n nights he runs, and mm -hmm. it's been a, a core of people. Casey Black, E.W. Harris, mm -hmm. definitely there at the beginning. E.W. was playing in Niall's yeah. band. And, um, and then it's kind of grown. But it's it's kind of the same as other uh, other scenes I've been in. It's not um, it's not it's a great scene. I don't think it's unique to yeah, like yeah. it's it's unique. It's nice to have this scene. I'm sure there are other. It's kind of crazy. I'm sure there are other scenes in New York doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. Who would consider themselves the scene in New York? Mm -hmm. And they've never heard of Big City mm -hmm. Folk. Mm -hmm. But Big City Folk to a lot of people is very important, and it, it does feel like the Big City Folk scene in New York. And maybe it is. And I'm I'm really happy to be a part of it, and I love those guys. Mm. So at the moment, what you're 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 playing um, in clubs and things? How many nights a week? Well, I'm I'm out like th at least three nights a week. Okay. But just to go and play with Niall, yeah. Niall's open mic, Niall's song nights, and then there'll be gigs. I'll be playing either in here's a band. So they, I don't really consider any of them gigs apart from the actual gigs. Yeah. I go out to play. Like I try to go out and be part of the community and play with these people. But the I don't the only gigs I really consider the gigs I play in my own band, gigs I play by myself as a show that I booked, that's, um, like Rockwood, yeah. Cafe Vivaldi, um, I played last week at K the Cake Shop, yeah. Ludlow, any of those, the Living Room, and also gigs I play with Niall and his band, you know, those are gigs, the rest is just like practice in public, you know, yeah. it's, it's, more yeah. like, it's more like, um, the rest is you are playing, you're playing new songs, it's good to go out and play, but I don't consider them my shows. Yeah. They're just, it's a community, you're part of the community, and, uh, you, and you're networking almost. 
you know, you know, you're still part of it. You know, it's a good thing to be part. Of it. It's, it's inspiring. You know, you mo a lot of times I go out and want to play. I just want to go and listen. I do. I end up playing. Sometimes I've been there. Sometimes that I'm not going to play tonight. But you get talked. You get talked into it. Yeah. So who's in your band? Brown and Wild. Yeah. Lenny Monacello. That's it, really. And Niall, if he's around, plays rhythm guitar. You know, yeah. I, met, I met Brandon when I first got here, mm -hmm. about a year after, mm -hmm. you know, which is like seven years ago. But it took us like four, four years to start working together. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know him. We met, we hung out, we liked each other, but we didn't really, mm -hmm. we had different things going on. And you're now you're creating a new album? Yeah, I'm doing my third project with, with Brandon. Mm -hmm. And this one, I'm kind of giving him as much free reign as he wants. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be your album with him producing it and playing yeah the same as before yeah. the last two but it's going to be the whole usually i'd let I, I go in i work with him and we work on a record and then i come home and do stuff at home and i just see because i like i like diy i like home recordings as long as they sound good and the album the last two albums have been 50 percent produced by him and 50 percent done at home this one i'm just going to do all with him mm -hmm. and so where is it now? Where, how long has it been before it's? I have no comes idea. Out? What's, I, the, what's it going to be like? Do you know? Have you got any idea? I, no, I have no idea because it was an, originally it was going to be. I have, no, I have no business making a record now. I just made one. You know, I just made a record. I'm, I should be putting the work into put, pushing that record. I think it's a good record, and I, I, I stand by it. I think it's a really good record actually, and I think I should be pushing it. I have no business making a record right now. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing it, but mm -hmm. but I, I I started it and and I'm in it and it's fun. And if, when I'm in it, doing it, I end up writing more. So that's the reason to do it. It, it was going to be an EP, because I felt like I just six songs, digital release, because it, just so that I wouldn't have to put too much work behind it. Yeah. And I, it would be out there, and I would just leave it, and it would just be, it would, you know, it would keep me working on stuff without getting in the way of promoting this album. And I was going to do that. But every time I'd sit down, I'd think, oh, this song would be good, and that song would be good, and I had this thing, I should finish this, this could work really well. And before I knew it, I'm like, well, six songs is four more as an album. But then I've got no business making an album, so it kind of got really confusing. So anyway, I was talking to Diana, actually, Diana Jones, and, and she's kind of convinced me to slow down with it. You know, I don't, I don't want to take her advice. Yeah. Just slow down, there's no hurry, make it. So, and then she's right, I'm just, but I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm usually, I like to get things done and get them out, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. the way I work, but... I think I'm going to slow down. I think I'm going to keep recording and I'm just going to bank it all. Put it in the bank and let, just yeah. sit around and then just see what it's... Because I also, I, I run the risk of repeating the last two albums, you know? Same kind of thing. A few, a few songs with a band, a few songs by myself. Mm -hmm. I think it's worked really well on the last two records, but I don't know if I need to make a record like, like that again right now. But I'm enjoying it. All right. Just before we finished, a little bit about your making guitars or making musical instruments, when did that start and how did you develop that for yourself? I always had an interest in it. Yeah. And then I'd say, really, and I forgot about it. I remember being interested as a kid, I remember being in the backyard thinking, I want to make a guitar, like seven years old or something. And, um, and uh, a piece of wood, and another piece of wood, and a nail. I'm like, oh, it's harder than that, and then forgot about it. But then I, I guess when I, when I got into bluegrass, I decided I wanted a mandolin. At the time, you couldn't buy a mandolin. You could buy an old vintage one. So I wanted an old vintage Gibson, so I decided I'd make one. So I, when we, we moved to Cambridge, and I made, I made a copy of a Gibson uh, mandolin on, on the kitchen table with a... All I had was a, a rasp, a hammer, some sandpaper, a, a chisel, and a clothes iron that I used to bend the wood. It came out pretty good. 
I was in this whole thing. I was like, well, yeah, I should sell it. I should, if, I, if I'm really going to do this, because I figured I was going to start just doing that's all I would do, you know. Mm-hmm. If I'm really going to do it, then I, then I should sell it because then I can use the money for the first one to get the wood for the second one and the second one's going to be better than the first one. So are you completely self-taught or did you...? Completely. I, I drop in, I ask people stuff, you know. Yeah. Like in, in, when I made that one in Cambridge, I'd been living in Brighton and I met this violin maker mm-hmm. who visited his, his shop to have a cheap mandolin that I had uh, of the action altered. Mm-hmm. So I went, I spoke to him and then I found out that he taught a violin making class. And I asked him about it and he said, well, yeah, if you've got six years, I'll teach you. I'm like, really? Six years? What's that? And mm-hmm. it turned out his class, his, his Wednesday night class was all retired people who would go every Wednesday for yeah. an hour and a half. Yeah. And he's teaching like 12 people. It would t- literally take them six years. That's mm-hmm. the only time they would do it. Mm-hmm. They'd do a little bit and they'd listen. And then six years later, some of them would have a violin. Mm-hmm. So I said, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a mandolin. And we left and I went out left and I called him. We were, Peter Ratcliffe is called, really nice guy, really nice guy. And I'd call him and call him. And I said, I'm doing this now, I'm doing this. And he said, we'll do this. And and then I t- when I finished, I sent the pictures. It's like I can't believe it. You did it. It came out great. It came out looking really. I mean, you know, it came out pretty good. You mm-hmm. know, I doubt it's still in one piece right now. Mm-hmm. Whoever bought it, I mean, mm-hmm. it's looking at this, thinking it's a piece of junk. But at the time, it was, it's like it was amazing that this thing came together. Mm-hmm. And then I went to I went to visit Brighton, visited him, showed it him, and we looked it over. And he was blown away that I'd done it. And I was blown away that I'd done it. And I was blown away that he was even impressed. Yeah, so you, you know? got really good feedback. On I, I felt good about yeah. the whole thing. You know. And, uh, and I just wanted to make mandolins, but it's so hard to make mandolins. Carved instruments are so hard unless you have really got the tools at the time. Yeah. And then I stopped playing mandolin. I don't play much mandolin anymore. I, I, started, I made a bunch of mandolins here, actually, about three, three four years ago. Um, but I, I kind of grew up, I decided to only make instruments that I could. I, my space is small, so I make smaller instruments. I can, and also, I kind of compete with guitar builds. I like guitars. I like buying guitars. I like playing guitars. I like to go through guitars. So, you know, and I can't compete with China, and I can't spray and get the kind of finish I want here. So do you make them to order, or do you just create them and then you sell them on? Well, now I'm doing a lot of repairs. Yeah. So that's kind of taking up a lot of my time. Right. Right now I'm making a tenor guitar, all walnut. Yeah. It's looking pretty, the body's done. I just have to make the neck. Um, I'm like that, if I had a couple of weeks and, I was, and some motivation, that'd be done. And I have, I have at least two people I know who might want to buy that thing when it's done. So it's kind of not really too old. I have one order that I need to get done as well. It's a, cut, it's a tenor again with a cutaway. Yeah. But I just, but it's kind of nice. I like repairing people's stuff. You fix it up and then they go away and they feel good. Yeah. So how much these days do you play other people's stuff? Very rarely. I, I, what am I playing right now that's somebody else? I play that Little Walter song. Yeah. I, think I consider it an Aura Burnside song, A Little Babe.
show Even the horses have to do You go, I come with you listening to Artist Portrait, in which you heard Warren Malone talk about his life and music. Tracks heard on the show were Hank Williams and the Drifting Cowboys, I'm Sorry for You, My Friend, Bob Dylan, It Takes a Lot to Laugh, It Takes a Train to Cry, from Highway 61 Revisited, Japan, Television, from their album Adolescent Sex, Sean Hayes, Powerful Stuff, and The Tallest Man on Earth, Leading Me Now. And you also heard Warren himself singing Water and Little Babe from his latest release, Lost Without You, Part 1, Home from his previous album, The Ants Et The Bee, and Leaves in the Fall, a collaboration with rapper H. McLeod. You can hear Warren performing at the LIC Bar on Sunday the 22nd of July when he performs with the Big City Folk Collective at the Big City Folk Festival, all Sunday afternoon into the evening. This is Eric Hathaway bidding you farewell from Sometime in Long Island City, which is a non-profit-making community venture.